When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, and welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me again is Alan. Hello, hello. And Fred. I think I'm here. And guys, we are finally to the all-star break, and we are here. Um, It's been a rough ride for the Braves, uh, to say the least, in the first half of the season. Uh, As we're recording this on Thursday night, the Braves are off tonight. They're two games under 500, which... I don't know, it doesn't sound terrible when you say it, but <laughs> when you've gone through the season and experienced, it is pretty bad uh, where this team is at right now. And they had a great chance with this stretch of games they had uh, coming into the All-Star break. You know, they had games against the Mets where they could have picked up some ground. Uh, and they actually did win a series there. Um, but then they go, you know, with Miami, Pittsburgh, and got Miami this weekend. And you're thinking, you know, they win each of those series, they go into the break with a winning record, and perhaps things are looking up. And, you know, they could still do that if they swept the Marlins, but I don't think anybody believes that's happening. And they blow a series to the Pirates, and that just really had everybody um, ready to to give up on the season, myself included. Um, You know, that's a series they probably should have swept. Instead, they score two runs combined in the first two games and drop both of those. Uh, they come back and score 14 because every now and then the offense breaks out with double digits and everybody thinks this offense is actually good when they're not. Um, it, uh, it's just the same thing we've talked about all year. I, I don't really want to, to go over it anymore, but, uh, Alan, I'm losing hope for this team right now in this recent stretch. Losing that series to the Pirates just kind of felt like the nail in the coffin for me this year, especially with the schedule they have coming up after the break. Yeah, and here it is a week ago. I thought I had this optimistic point of view of, hey, we got the Pirates and we got the Marlins, and if we come through these guys with a a winning set of series against both of them, then maybe we might be uh, close to first place since uh, the Mets have a a test against Milwaukee. Well, (laughs) what's happened? Uh, Milwaukee uh, dropped two of three to the Mets. They had the other one postponed. We've lost two of three to the Pirates. And now we face a Marlins team that just took three out of four to the Dodgers. So the idea that we're going to go in and do something uh, very good in Miami is quite optimistic, even more than uh, than I was last week, for sure. Um, I got to wonder now, and we'll, we'll talk about this, 
you, you've got to start making some hard decisions about what you want to do at the deadline. Are you all in or are you all out? And there's not much in between, but, uh, my, my druthers right now is I, I still think this team has some talent and that uh, it could be very well used if it's well supported. But at this point, I don't know how you get it well supported. Coming out of the break, we've got uh, very tough tests on the schedule. And if you don't do something before that stretch starts, I don't know how you get through those games with a winning record. And if you don't get down towards the end of July with uh, something that's close to the Mets, then it could be curtains for, for this team for the 2021 season. So at some point you got to fish or cut bait. And I don't know that I see anything happening from the Braves that's, that's changing my mind about uh, the mediocrity we've been seeing, seeing all season. Yeah. And Fred, it's the same conversation we've had seemingly every podcast the entire year is just, uh, you know, one step forward, two steps back, it seems to be the approach for the Braves this year. And, you know, try to be as optimistic as we can. And, and Fred, I know you're always full of sunshine, but. <laughs> He's I full mean, of something. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you have any optimism for this team, especially after what just happened against the Pirates? Well, I mean, look, the team has good players, you know. Oconius having a good year. Albies is having a good year. Riley looks like he's going to be a good player finally consistently. And Anderson and, and Freed uh, are, and we've seen good stuff from Kyle Buller. I really like Buller. I liked Davidson before he got hurt. I think those boys are going to be uh, young boys, a boy six foot six. That young man is, is going to be all right, provided his arm doesn't fall off. Um, so, I think that there's a lot to like about the players on the team. The problem is the mix. You you look at what's in the bullpen, and you say, I don't know what anybody could do with that mess. And then you look at who we've run through left field, and everybody that you know comes up says, well, Almonte came up and he hit, so everybody said, oh, Almonte's going to be fine. And then Almonte went cold as a refrigerator, and now it's R.C. is going to be fine because he's had he's played four games had four hits. So good for him. I'm glad he did. Uh, but that swing is awfully long, and I'm thinking really good pitchers are going to make him look really bad. That doesn't mean that we should hate the players that are doing that. I mean, nobody's going out there trying to, trying to upchuck the thing. Uh, we saw Freddie playing through a sore back the other night, and uh, so you, if you're hurt and your your team's bad, there's a reason you can say, "Look, boss, I got it set." And these guys aren't guys aren't doing it. They're not backing off from it. Uh, and and to say they don't care and they don't fight is is not true. What is true is what DeRosa said the other day. You can't fool the clubhouse. The clubhouse knows what's needed, what's missing. And they look around and they know what's what what can and can't be done. So when they get down six or seven runs or four runs, uh, it's pretty well over for them unless they get a bad pitcher like they did against the Pirates. Uh, so I, you know, I think the future is bright. I I never thought that the sixty game team was going to be a hundred and sixty game hundred and sixty game team, but the, there's a lot of things to like amongst this group of players. And there's a lot of reason to continue watching and supporting them because uh, they deserve it. And look at Heredia, okay? Where would the Braves be without Heredia this year? 
I, somebody uh, somebody wrote the post, and I said, I think, about Heredity. That was really on time because Heredity has been a lifesaver for the Braves. And everybody out there says, oh, Duvall, Duvall. Heredity has got better numbers, folks. He's got a better WOBA. He's got more runs rated way to runs created. And all those RBIs people keep telling me about, he has 60. 25% of them came against the Braves. And if his 45 of his 45 RBI with with runners in scoring position, 11 of those came against the Braves. All of his RBIs came against bad pitching. All of his big number RBIs came against bad pitching. Duvall hits bad pitching. That's what he's done his whole career. That's what he's doing this year. Duvall's it's not his fault. That's what he does. But please, let's not make him into some sort of god, okay? He he Peretti is a better player than him. Peretti is a better player at the plate. He's as good a player on defense. He doesn't hit as many home runs, but he creates production. I'm proud of Peretti for coming up and never giving up. I like that in a player, okay? He may not win a gold glove, and he may not be with the team next year, but, boy, Peretti has been he has been a lifesaver this year. Bless him. Yeah, and Alan, Brent touches on, touched on something that we were really talking about in our, our pre-podcast, um, and that is the fact that you can't fool the clubhouse. And yes, you know, I agree with Fred. These guys are going out there and they're trying to win every game. You know, I get that, but the demeanor of this team just seems off to me. Something seems off. And I think part of that's because they know what's missing. Uh, you know, they know what's holding them back. We've known it for months now and the front office hasn't done anything about it. Now, again, it's hard to make trades in in May and June, you know, when teams aren't willing to deal. But, you know, we knew coming into the season the bullpen could be a question mark. We knew the depth, the bench of this team was going to be a question mark. And if that's a couple of guys at the top went down, that this team would be in trouble. Um, you know, we knew these things coming into the season, and they've all turned out to be a problem. You know, Pache wasn't what – we were hoping he could be was was really just a 240 250 hitter with gold glove defense now the defense is there but i think he was even a worse hitter than we were hoping that he would be obviously you couldn't predict the azuna situation tda gets hurt so i mean azuna and tda that's you know two of your top four hitters in the lineup right there and the Braves just didn't weren't prepared with the depth to to cover that and again like fred said i think you kind of can feel that in the clubhouse that they're missing those pieces, and, you know, I don't know what AA is doing. I'm not going to try to criticize him. I'm sure he's trying to or been trying to improve this team, but nothing has been done to really fix those holes. And, you know, here we are going in the All-Star break, two games under 500, and nothing's really changed. Well, now if I can jump in here quickly with the the the, the thing that Mark DeRosa said this morning when he was asked the questions, what do you do? What do you do if you're the Braves? He said, "Sell." And everybody looked at him and their jaw dropped. He said, "Look, I'm on the ground in Atlanta. I watch those players. I don't know. I haven't been in the clubhouse, but I'm telling you, there's something wrong there, mm-hmm. and they can't fix it." That I mean, I was doing something else, and I walked back in the other room and rewound the TV. What yeah. he said, what he, what he's saying is. That the clubhouse knows, like you said, the clubhouse knows there's something. He said, I don't know why and I don't know who, but the chemistry in that clubhouse is wrong. 
And they, that's not going to change. There's nothing they can do with the current setup in the middle of the season to change that. So you sell. Yeah. And, and to add to that, and I'm afraid to go down this road because I don't want to get blasted by people who love Snicker, but when a clubhouse is like that, uh, the most common thing you're going to do is change the voice of the clubhouse, right? And the Braves aren't going to do that. Snicker is a lifelong Brave. They just signed him to a new deal. You know, there's no way they're going to change manners at this point. And I'm not even saying Snicker's completely to blame, but when you do have, you know, a clubhouse situation like that, typically the first thing a team's going to try to do is change the voice. And, you know, Alan, just all that we've talked about, you know, the Braves certainly aren't going to do that. And nothing's really been done to, to do anything really <laughs> the past couple of months when we've all seen what's kind of obvious what Fred's talking about. Well, apart from all that, my, uh, what I was going to say <laughs> is that, uh, yeah, certainly the first part of the seasons, you don't really see a lot of trades going on and that's universal around baseball all the time. This year, I think it's conspired to be a little worse because you've had so many injuries and teams are, uh, clutching their prospects like pearls and there's there's a lot of things going on there's financial uh implications that a lot of teams have that they're worried about money and and expenses and and all that kind of stuff because uh, uh they're just now in some cases getting back to full capacity in the stands all that kind of stuff conspires together to to mean everybody's sort of hunkering down and and sticking with what they've got We've got a problem coming up with this, this sport. We've not just the COVID stuff, but uh, next year's CBA is going to be immensely difficult to negotiate. I think that uh, th- this could certainly result in a strike next year. There's a lot of things that are going wrong that uh, need to be resolved, and that's even apart from whatever may be going on in the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, I've got a post half written right now where I, I propose one of two paths. One is go all in and, and really uh, just throw caution to the wind and, and get the assets you need to, to, to buy or sell. And I don't know which path they should take right now, but sell is starting to gain some momentum here, uh, partly because, it seems to make sense in in good logic, even though fans, uh, myself included, recoil at that notion. Uh, but uh, I mean, where, what else are you going to do right now? It, it just does not look uh, like this team can win, even if you do go all in necessarily. And it, it's just a bad situation right now. And if you add something in the clubhouse being a problem as well. I, I don't know if maybe uh, the Ozuna thing is tearing this uh, clubhouse apart. Uh, people taking one side or another, for instance, that's total speculation. But uh, in looking at body language, that's kind of about the time that things seem to be changing uh, so maybe, maybe something else is going on, something else is going on that way that we don't know about, but we really need to, to watch closely to see what this front office does as a result, because there needs to be a reaction. There needs to be an answer to these things. And I think we're going to see it one way or another in the next two weeks here. Well, 
the other thing I, I've been talking about all year is is the Freddie Freeman situation, and you know we don't know exactly what's going on behind closed door there doors there, but he just hasn't seemed to write to me all year, and you know what if he's not going to resign with the Braves? We've all just kind of assumed that he will, but. You know, what if he's not going to, and that's playing on his mind all year, and that plays in the clubhouse? I mean, that's certainly something that I could see playing a factor, you know, in the clubhouse. If, you know, what if what if Freeman's future is not part of the Braves, and he's, you know, weighing that decision and, and thinking about that possibility, and, uh, you know, that's affecting his mindset, affecting the way that he uh, carries on with the rest of the group. You know, I definitely think there's something to that as well that could be playing into it but uh, you know Fred I, I think what Alan is talking about here what we kind of want to get into next and, and feel free to you know jump in on any of that we talked about there but the idea of buying and selling if the Braves are going to buy I, I just feel like there's too many holes that need to be filled you know Alan was talking before we came on you know they're they're bottom in the league at catcher they're bottom in the league at shortstop they're bottom of the league at and left and center field I mean, you got to fill at least two of those holes, and we know they need at least two high leverage relievers. That's just really a lot to ask for for, you know, a team that even if you do that, may not even be able to compete with the Dodgers and Padres and White Sox, uh, you know, of the world. Well, that's true. And and the the other thing, you know, first of all, these kind of holes you can't fix during the season. This roster is bad because. Last off season was bad. Mm-hmm. Now you can it can be any number of reasons. It, it could be bad choices, could be lack of money. Although the payroll is damn near what it was last year, it was going to be last year. Uh, it it could be unavailability, could be a, a zillion different things that we don't know about. But you know, Alex has always said that. His plan is to be good enough to get to the break and then fix whatever can be fixed at the break. Well, this year the roster started, and it was not going to be good enough to get to the break. Even as it started the season, it was not because the lineup was going to be a bat short. And then when Pache didn't hit and Riley took a long time to get going and Acuna, I mean, Ozuna wasn't going at all until and before his – all of that happened – to a roster that was fragile already. Here's what I'm talking about. The Houston Astros are missing Alex Bregman. You can't tell why, because the rest of the roster picked him up. They reached down, they got one of their players, and they stuck him on the field, and guess what? He's hitting, and the the Astros are winning. The Astros' bullpen is shaky. Their starters have been who's going to start today. And they're still winning the West, and they're going to win the West because they're got players coming back. Lack of depth, bad roster construction for uh, whatever reason caused that. Um, the Freeman thing is interesting. Uh, there's no reason they couldn't have extended Freddie Freeman in the offseason. None. And the reason there's no reason is because they, they've known this was coming for years. They know what his price is. This year's attendance doesn't have anything to do with that because next year they've got all this money coming off the books and they have room for him. But it's not done. Well, why isn't it done? Did the Braves not make an offer? We haven't heard that. Did Freddie tell them don't bother? We haven't heard that. We know that Freddie's house in Atlanta up for sale. 
and I haven't heard him buying a new one. And I'm just, I'm not connecting any dots here. But it is pretty clear, and, and again, I listened to Rosa ask that question this morning. Why isn't Freddie Freeman signed? And everybody just looked at him because nobody knows why. And that's really the problem. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. We say this. Nobody knows why that happened. Nobody knows why this happened. Nobody knows why this guy was signed and that guy was not signed. Why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Nobody knows. All we get is spin. And that tells me that the leadership, there's a problem in leadership somewhere. Whether you want to blame LMC or you want to blame McGurk or you want to blame Anthopolis, whatever you want to blame at, at the top, that's what you're seeing on the field because fish stinks from the neck down. Okay. And that, that's, that's what we have here. We've got, we smell it on the field, but the problem's not on the field. It's at the top. Yeah. And to me, there's, there's, it could only be one of two things with the Freeman situation. Either the front office just didn't approach him about it, or like you said, he told him, don't worry about it. Don't bother making an offer because I just feel like it couldn't have been that difficult if both parties were willing for this to already have happened. So for me, it's either the, the Braves just didn't bother to, to make a, a real offer or Freddie told them not to worry about it, that he's going to go to free agency. Uh, to me, that's the only two possible situations because I, I just have a hard time believing that if the two really wanted to, that they could have worked something out by now. So that that is troubling to me. It's been something you know I've been monitoring and just – Watching all year, uh, I feel like that is probably dragging the team down a little bit, you know, not blaming Freddie Freeman or anything, uh, more so if anything, I'm blaming the, the front office. But I do think that's playing a factor in this as far as the, you know, the clubhouse atmosphere goes. But, uh, Alan, I know you kind of already talked about buying and selling. For me, like I said, I think this, I think you got to sell if there's something to sell. And that's really what we were talking about beforehand is, Okay, so this team's bad. Uh, the the lineup, the roster is bad. You know, the clubhouse atmosphere is not good. I think we've all kind of talked about that and discussed it. So you're going to sell. What what are you going to sell? And, and I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of you know, guys that you could dangle out there that you could trade. But then you got to look at okay, is that really going to make a huge impact prospect wise? And I think that's kind of where I come to and think, no, it's probably not. So is it best to just hang on to these guys, maybe make a small move or two, and just hope that things turn around? That's probably where I would go with it right now, just because I don't think there's anybody that we could trade outside of Freddie Freeman, and I don't see that happening, and he'd have to approve that anyway. But I just don't see the Braves having anybody that they could really deal that would bring back you know, a big return. Right now, the guys that I think would be at the top of the list would have to be Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. Uh, both are pitching very well. Starting pitching is going to be at a huge premium at this, this summer. Uh, finding guys like that that are uh, available is very difficult. So I, I got to think that if there is a sell to be had, you got to start with those guys because that's going to bring you something, even if they are rentals. That'll also save the team some money, I suppose, if if that's the way you want to go. But 
yeah, the, we're going to know in the next two weeks uh, which whichever way this goes. And if it really is a problem in the clubhouse, it's not going to get solved by selling things, but it, it will maybe be an indicator that there is something else going on that uh, needs to to be fixed in the off season. So we're we're going to find out. But yeah, right now I I would. If I'm selling, I'd start with those two guys because I think you can get a decent return for them. In fact, probably a bidding war, to be honest, because there's a lot of other – I mean, for instance, okay, when the season began, everybody was kind of laughing at Kevin Gosman's qualifying offer picked up by the Giants and thinking, well, the Giants aren't going to be anything, so Gosman will just at least be a trade ship at the, the, the deadline. Well, guess what? Giants are playing well. So he's not available. There's been a slew of injuries to starting pitchers, so all of the contenders, I, I can't, except maybe Milwaukee, need pitching. So you're going to literally have a bidding war for those guys. Fred mentioned earlier, yeah, we've got some bullpen assets that uh, we actually could stand up and say, yes, we we think these guys are, are worth it and, and available. But, again, relievers are easy to get at the deadline. You're not going to get much in return for those guys. <clears throat> Beyond that, yeah, Travis Darno's coming back. It's hard to find a catcher at the deadline, but he's not going to be available until sometime in August probably. That might be good enough for some teams, Chicago White Sox. But I don't know if that's – going to be something that uh, be willing to do. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of the year, so no big loss if you're going to sell him. Beyond that, a couple of bench guys maybe here and there, but they aren't going to bring you anything. So uh, right now it's pretty much the starting pitchers, and that's about it in terms of actual impact to the farm system. Yeah, I would I would certainly agree with that, Fred. Do you have anything to add as far as well, selling? Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that uh, if you called the Dodgers right now and said, hey, uh, you interested in Charlie Morton? They would send you a couple of pretty good players for that. Because they mm-hmm. put Kershaw on the IL with a, with a forearm thing. They're, they're, Bauer's gone for a, <laughs> for a long a while. time. <laughs> okay, so all of a sudden the rotation that was really deep isn't that deep anymore. I, I think Morton's, Morton's uh, brings a return. Smiley, I don't know, but maybe maybe Smiley does too. If the Mets don't if I can get their pitchers back, uh, uh, certainly uh, Smith Martin can bring you some bring you something to return out of the bullpen. Uh, even Luke Jackson has got really fine numbers. Uh, he would bring something back. I know people don't like to admit how good Luke's been, but he would bring them something back. And so you've got that. That's what's that's where you are uh, right now. And you know, you can, and Darno is, well, they said he'd be back before August. If he comes back before August and proves he can catch, uh, the White Sox will take him, I'm sure. And, you know, there are, there are players you can move, uh, that, that would do that. You won't get a ton. People want to trade dance me. Fine. If you can find somebody who wants him, I don't think anybody wants him in season. I think that's an off season move. But in any case, I, there are players you can move. They'll bring you something back. Um, uh, and, you know, I sort of agree with, with DeRosa, you know, it's time to sell because you ain't going to fix this. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch. Definitely didn't come into this season thinking we'd be talking about the Braves as sellers at the deadline, but I'm, I'm fully okay with that, if, with that, if that's the way they decide to go. If, if you can get something in return, like you said, I think Morton's probably the only one that would bring you something significant back, but, you know, for a lot of these guys who are, 
free agents after the season, you know, especially the bullpen guys. I uh, can certainly see moving them, trying to get something for a farm system that is weakening. So, um, you know, even if you get somebody that cracks your, your top 30, I uh, certainly think that that helps out, uh, especially, you know, if the Braves come to hopefully try to make some moves to improve for next year to, to get back into contention, uh, that could help as well in, in trades down the road uh, when you're trading to actually get better. Um, but we'll see what plays out. Like Alan said, we're going to know. In these next two weeks, you got three with the the Marlins this weekend, and then after the All-Star break, you got the Rays for three, the Padres for three, uh, and the Phillies for four. And then before even before July 31st, you got the Mets for five games. So uh, I don't know if you can wait that long to make a decision, but certainly after that Rays series and that Padres series, I think you'll know a lot more. If this team's still within, you know, five games, uh, maybe we see a small move or two. Uh, to try to improve the team, uh, but if not, yeah, uh, I can definitely see see the Braves selling off and uh, trying to turn this thing around quickly anybody, for next year. Anybody, anybody you trade for now can't be a rental, okay? right? Yeah, so you, you can't that. go out, you can't go out and pick up David Peralta and say, okay, well he's good for the end of the year. I mean, uh, he may well be, and he's a good guy and all that. But if you're going to trade for somebody uh, who's a major league ready then you want somebody who's major league ready for a year or two. You want a uh, Hanager or you want a, you want a uh, Gallo or you want uh, somebody who is going to have you, give you at least another year, maybe two years of, of control out there because you don't want to give people away for nothing. I mean, if you're going to get nothing back, then you sit on them and, and do it in the off season when you're going to get a chance to shop them to 29 of the teams instead of a couple. So there, there's that. Uh, the other thing people keep telling me that, you know, why you can go out and trade for Cedric Mullins. Uh, no, you can't. You just, you just don't have that. Th- you don't have that kind of horsepower. And if the Orioles GM did that, uh, they'd hang him from the yard arm, uh, in the, in the Baltimore Harbor out there because that would just be the dumbest thing in the world. You can't get these fourth win players for, for Tuki Toussaint and, uh, and Bryce Wilson. You just can't do that. Uh, and and the, no GM is going to sell you the Marte or the Will, or the Brian uh, the Pirate center fielder or or Cedric Mullins for a, for a bag of used baseballs and a, and a kiss. It's just not going to happen. You got to realize where the team is and uh, look for ways to get better and hope that the players out there uh, know that the players out there still need your support. You can't just turn and walk away from them because they aren't winning because they're trying. And and if you walk away from them like that, then, uh, you know, uh, that's just not really a good look on you or anybody else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we say all this, and you know, been pretty negative on where the team is, but we've also said it every week. It would not surprise me if this team went on a run of winning eight out of ten games because, like I say, they have the talent there just for whatever reason. It's not not clicking um, and turning into wins this season. So, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, the next couple of weeks here. Wanted to get into the draft before we get out of here. Draft coming up this weekend, along with All Star Week and. Um, you know, I, I like the draft. It, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's not as big as some of the other sports because we don't see these players for a while. But with all the uh, attention nowadays that prospects get, uh, it's really become more uh, of a popular event in baseball world. So uh, I think it, you know, be 
certainly exciting to see. Uh, the Braves have the 24th pick uh, overall. Um, and honestly, this draft, outside of the top 10, we, we talked about it beforehand, it's really just kind of a toss-up. Uh, the college bats in this draft are not very good, and that's typically what you're going to see pushed up in the first round. But uh, they're just not very good this year. The, the high school bats are the um, top position group of this class. And I wrote a post on Tomahawk Take uh, on Thursday highlighting some of those top high school bats that the Braves could target. Um, but a lot of those guys are multi-sport uh, players. Some of them even committed to play football. So uh, you're going to have to pay top dollar in order to sway them away from going to college route. And the Braves don't typically do that. Um, but certainly could uh, more, more than likely you're going to see them take a college pitcher. Um, and there are some, you know, solid ones at the top uh, or in that area in the 20 range. Uh, I wrote about Virginia's Andrew Abbott the other week. He's somebody uh, that's probably ranked, you know, down in the forties, fifties of prospects. I think the Braves could take it 24 and maybe try to save some money um, and, and try to sway a high school prospect later on at their 59th pick. Um, Bubba Chandler, somebody out of Georgia, a high school two-way player uh, that has, you know, the, a lot of people have thought the Braves could take if he makes it to them, but most mocks don't have him making it that far. Uh, going back to the the college pitchers, you know, there's guys uh, like Michael McGreevy out of UC Santa Barbara that's been tied to the Braves, uh, Gavin Williams out of East Carolina, uh, Will Bednar, who's got a lot of run after Mississippi State won the College World Series. Uh, those are popular names being mentioned among the Braves right now. But, Fred, I know you were uh, part of a chat with Kylie McDaniel of ESPN recently. What is uh, the feeling for the Braves in the first round? The Braves will almost certainly take a picture, as you said. Um, and uh, Will Bednar is the guy they wanted. And then he went and had that 15-strikeout game in the world in the College World Series. And all of a sudden, uh, he's probably not going to make it to us. But again, the, there are a group of pitchers who are available uh, that um, at that level that are pretty much the same pitcher. So you could look at uh, McGreevy is a good example of that. Uh, he he's, could go higher, but he could also slip for no particular reason uh, other than it's Sunday. Uh, it's 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 really that way. Uh, Gavin Williams, somebody people have got us uh, mocked with Gavin Williams. Uh, he fits there pretty well. Uh, you could go with Kai Bush. Kai Bush is, is somebody who fits in that well and who you might get under 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 uh, slot for that. Uh, there are just a group of them, uh, and it really, I, I spent so much time listening with uh, with Kyle and the other people talking to him about the other teams and stuff today. And by the way, Kyle McDaniel was wonderful. And he took he took questions and went into depth, and and bless him and, and ESPN for doing that. They were really really nice to us and and really treated us like one of them, which is really a good thing because sometimes we don't get that. But but uh, it was it was insightful. He basically said, look. Uh, you can, these guys are all about the same player. You can throw a blanket over them, pull one out from underneath, and you've got the same player. May not be the right position, but you're going to get the same value for the player. So what do you do when you've got, when you've got a bunch of players that are all uh, relatively the same kind of player? Well, you look for who fits your team the best, who fits your team's philosophy the best, who, who's got the best makeup. They used to talk, uh, Sherholtz and Cox and them guys used to talk about, they would talk to people and see which ones had the best makeup. 
which ones felt like they belonged on the Braves, and that's they 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 push him up the board for that. Dan O'Dowd said in the week, look, you, when you've got a guys, you have this bunch of makeup, they rank them by makeup, and then they rank them by, by position, and then they fill according to the, where the system needs support. Well, the Braves, and, all, and to be fair, it's not just the Braves, folks. Everybody drafts pitchers first round. Everybody does, uh, if, unless there's just somebody out there that's so much better than, like, Crutchman last year or two years ago. There's just, just so many pitchers are just so fragile. So, yes, the Braves are going to take a pitcher. Uh, it's, it could easily be Williams. It could be, it could be Michael McGreevy. I hope it's not the same Michael McGreevy used to work for me because he wasn't very good. I fired him. But anyway, uh, you, 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 these guys out there are all about the same. Now, would you like to take a bat at the first time? Well, yes. Uh, if, if you want a bat at that point, and I asked about that, I said, well, he said, well, you know, you could take a bat. You could take somebody like Trey, Trey Sweeney, who happens to be the guy I ran out there because I like Trey Sweeney. Uh, first of all, he's at Eastern Illinois University. Um, secondly, uh, he's 6'3", a shortstop, like sort of this Seeger guy out in California. Uh, he's not, not as agile as him, uh, but he, he's got thunder for power. Uh, he's done some wood bat hitting, and it hasn't made any difference. So you could get a Trey Sweeney or a Carson Williams, who's told teams he's a two-way player. He don't want to pitch. He doesn't care. You draft him. He doesn't want to be drafted as a pitcher. You tell him he's going to pitch. He's going to say no and go elsewhere. He'll go on to school. He's a high school guy. He'll go on to college and, and play shortstop. And he's another one guy like that. Uh, there's this, uh, Schwallenbach guy. He's a two way player as well. Um, most of these guys are going to end up pitching. Uh, Williams won't because, uh, unless he just tries shortstop and can't make it. But there's Gunnar Hogg. He was at Ole Miss, uh, out there. He had a pretty good season. Um, had had TJ Sergey, but he's still likely going to go. <clears throat> Frank Mazzucato, again, high school pitcher. There are players though. Once you get past, once you get past thirty or forty, all of a sudden, boy, it's who you like. You know, there's a, there's a relief pitcher in Georgia, uh, plays for the Bulldogs. He's got a fifteen point nine K per nine uh, uh, strikeout thing, uh, and he's ranked number three hundred on the on the rankings that go that high. And uh, he's not, he he may not get drafted. The Braves may be able to grab him for the 20K after, um, unless they feel like they want to take him for the 100K in one of the out rounds. But there's going to be players like that uh, that uh, are the same same player that he may not be. He may be left-handed pitcher instead of right-handed pitcher. Uh, Jared Walsh is a first baseman uh, that can hit. Uh, maybe it's Lonnie White Jr. Although. Uh, he's more or less the Murray thing from Oakland last year. He switched colleges because he wants to play football and baseball. So I'm staying away from Lonnie White. But there's no reason that that uh, some of these guys who are in the out rounds couldn't be just as good as the guys in the in the 40, uh, 40, 40 to 50 range that are going to be taken in the second, third round. Uh, Braves pick at number 59. If they want a pitcher at 59, they could – Maybe talk Kai Bush into hanging on for that and, <clears throat> excuse me, and take a shortstop at, at 24 and then pay Bush at 59 and have almost the same thing as they'd taken that, that pitcher at 24. Uh, I found there's a, there's a pitcher out of Canada. Um, I mean, his name escapes me because I've got them all running around in my head <laughs> right now. <laughs> but, um, uh, there, uh, his name is uh, uh, Ziegler, and 
Colin Ziegler or Calvin Ziegler. Um, he's ranked anywhere from 101 to 123 to 272. But he's done 97 mile an hour fastball uh, and a 12 six hook. And so if you like Mike Soroka, he's going to have the same kind of innings on him that Mike had when he came down. And he's going to be the same. He's 18 years old. He's six foot and, and, uh, a little bit and he's going to gain weight and strength. So you could go to 373 or 272 rather on BA list or 101 on ESPN's list and get this kid. Uh, and he could be the next Soroka for you. So because they're so close, I would, don't get all bent out of shape if they don't take your player because they probably took somebody just like him. Yeah, Alan, a lot to di- digest there, but I appreciate that, Fred. I don't know how you keep all those names in your head, but I think that's really just the story of this draft is that after you get, you know, past the first seven, you know, Marcelo Meyer, Jack Leiter, Jordan Lawler, Khalil Watson, Henry Davis, Kumar Rocker, Jackson Job, Brady House, you know, those first seven or eight guys, I think most consider them to be in a, in the top tier. Uh, like Fred said, after that, you could mix these guys up in a bag and, and draw one out, and they're probably going to be about the same. Yeah, and what it comes down to is money uh, fit to your organization, like uh, Fred suggested, and perhaps the idea of going for a lottery pick here and there. Uh, it, it isn't like you're going to have a loss if uh, one of these guys doesn't pan out that way. Uh, when you pick 24, you're kind of – you know, left with what you got. And uh, Fred had mentioned earlier, and I'll go ahead and throw this in on his behalf, uh, going the JUCO route, see if there's uh, junior college guys that uh, might be elig- draft eligible that uh, uh, look uh, like they're, they're, they've got something good on upside. So there, there are a lot of routes you can go, a lot of names you can go, and I mean, really, it's it's all a crapshoot in in terms of the draft anyway, and trying to figure out who's going to go. But uh, uh, you, you can never go wrong with pitching and getting reliable pitching. The trick is whether you think you, if you think you're going to get a, a frontline starter at uh, 24 and the later rounds like that, probably not. So you, you got to set your expectations appropriately, but at the same time, uh, you still got to have, uh, uh, guys that you, you make picks with and every now and then one of these picks turns to gold. So you, you, um, you do your dil- due diligence, you do your scouting uh, as best you can. And certainly this last couple of years have been very difficult for scouting. So, uh, the, the premium is trying to make sure that, uh, you, you check and cross check and, and get, get the best, uh, looks at these guys you can and then make your best shot and, and, and see what happens. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting draft for sure. I mean, trying to guess what a team's going to do in the twenties the is always an impossible task anyway. But I think it's especially difficult this year just because, like I said, after those first seven or eight, uh, everybody's really kind of in the same boat. I, I think I think you got to go with the one or two strategies here where either you try to, to take a chance at 24 on a high school guy and see if you can go over slot and, and take them away from uh, college and then hope that you have a college arm like Abbott, maybe Tommy Mace out of Florida, Doug Nikhazy. Out of, out of Ole Miss and maybe hope that you can, they'll fall to 59 and you can get them for a little bit under slot, uh, or go the other way around and take a, 
Uh, take a college pitcher who's maybe ranks in the, the 50s or, or lower like they did last year with Jared Schuster and then hope that one of your high school bats who has some signability questions uh, falls to you at 59 and you try to take them there and go over slot four of them. I really think that's, you know, I think you have to do one of those two strategies in this draft if you're the Braves because, like like we've been talking about, there's just not a lot of clear separation with any of these guys outside of the, the top top eight players there. So, um, we'll see what they do. I think it'll be a you know interesting, exciting draft for sure. Uh, the draft is back to, or not, I shouldn't say back because it was more than this before, but they moved out to 20 rounds this year after doing just five rounds last year. It's going to start on Sunday, and we'll, uh, that will just be the first round on Sunday, and then it'll continue to go throughout the All-Star week there. We didn't even touch on the All-Star game really, but um, – uh, I mean, I don't know, Fred, anything you wanted to touch on? I know the Braves got uh, three guys in there. They got Freeman, uh, Acuna, and Albies. Um, but anything on the All-Star game, I think the Home Run Derby will be fun. I might check that out, but I'm not really a huge All-Star Week kind of guy anyway. Well, I, I'm not much of a Home Run Derby guy, but you got to watch Otani, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, 32 home runs this morning. I don't know what he's done lately, but 32 home runs. Coming into the break, and he's the best pitcher on the team, and and he's a nice guy. The guy, the guy, he shattered this guy's bat. It split completely in half. Red Sox, and it was laying in the field. They threw him out at first base. Otani went up, picked a piece of the bat, handed the bat to him, patted him on the back, said, "Good try." You know, I mean, and he was smiling all the time. Just he's he's like he's like Freeman. That he's just this nice guy. And he's he's a, a big guy and a nice guy, and he's so talented. Uh, you have to watch Otani. Um, you know, somebody wrote me ask earlier before the season started, right when it started, was he must see TV for me? And I said no. And then after he started doing this, I went back to permission to revise revise my comments. Yes, he is. And every <laughs> chance I get, I'm going to watch him swing the bat or throw the baseball. Because he's special, folks. If you're not paying attention to Shohei Otani, then you're missing a once in a lifetime kind of thing. This guy is just he's he's so good all the way around. And his co hitting coach says, look, he's better when he hits and pitches because he can't get in his own head. And <laughs> think about everything like that. So you know, he's pitching all the time or hitting all the time. He got wrapped up in it and, and going around in circles with it. And now he's doing both. So you've got to watch Otani. I am so glad that Albies got recognition uh, for the team. I mean, I knew Ronnie was going to make it and Freddie was going to make it. I, I said this at the start of the season, I believe, that Albies was the heartbeat of this team. And when Albies is hot, the team does pretty well. Uh, and he deserved, he deserves this recognition here. Uh, uh, the little guy is just, he's just so much bigger than he is He's so much bigger to the team than his size and his position and what he does with the bat. He's so much more important than that. And, and I don't think, I don't think everybody recognizes, they see Acuna, they see Freddie, but if you watch, watch the team and Albies, you'll see that, that he, the team gravitate around him a lot. And I think he's so important to the team and, I just I'm, I'm so happy that he's getting his his call up this year. 
And I, you know, I sort of kind of hope Ian Anderson gets a call to take one of those bullpen, one of those uh, ill, uh, broken starter spots, one of the guys that can't come. Uh, but uh, if he doesn't, he'll get his chance because Anderson's still a really fine pitcher, and Max will Max will straighten it out and he'll be fine too. Uh, but boy, uh, I'm I'm just so happy for Albies. Yeah. Uh, Alan, anything you add for you before we get out? Oh, I'm going to just throw out a couple of things. Uh, over under on 500 foot home runs at Coors <laughs> Field for the home run derby. I'm going to set at about 10, uh, expecting 12 or more. I'm taking the over. Uh, Shohei Otani probably will win it. Uh, I think he might be, I, I haven't looked at the brackets, but I would imagine he and Trevor Story might end up fighting it out because of the thin air. Uh, a lot of these guys, after a tough first or second round, are going to be sucking air, trying to just be able to swing the bat by the time the third round goes around. But uh, Shohei is from Sapporo, Japan, and that's got a little elevation to it, too. So I think he's going to be able to handle the thin air and outdo outdo dual story in the end. Yep, should be a fun, uh, entertaining home run derby at the least. Got the Futures game as well uh, to watch. So uh, good uh, week, weekend, week of, uh, of baseball with the draft, with All-Star uh, and the Futures game going on. Uh, really great discussions today, talking about the Braves and where they're at. Really did enjoy that. Uh, and if you want to read more about that, uh, we'll have plenty of content on TomahawkTake.com, so make sure that you go and check that out. Please make sure that you follow, subscribe to the Tomahawk Take podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been the hand-wringing edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. It's a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC a subsidiary of Minute Media, Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of the participants because Minute Media allows total creative freedom and because they have no idea what we're doing. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Mr. Exposition, which was modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights already purchased by TomahawkTech.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today, and we hope your own decisions to buy or sell or draft are much more clear than those that the Braves face this week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.